praise God. Well, I thank you. Amen. I praise God for extending a welcome to come to uh, minister to you this morning. Amen. And I praise God for Allen Temple. Amen. And every time I come to Allen Temple, I feel as though I am at home because I know I am at home. Amen. I see a lot of familiar faces here. Amen. <laughs> and we praise God for you, you, and you. And we want to continue to pray for uh, uh, the pastor of this house, amen, the Reverend Hugh Marriott and Alicia Marriott in their absence, amen. And we know that they are ministering today at um, People's Institutional, amen. And he is uh, ministering there, and we praise God. We know that God has laid a word on his heart for the people there and that he can bring the witness of Jesus Christ to a dying world, Amen. Amen. And we praise God for you, you, and you. Amen. Why don't we give our choir a hand? Amen. Well, we can do better than that. They brought us in. Amen. Amen. And we thank God for everybody who had any part in the service. Amen. And we know that this is the time that God has appointed. Amen. And we thank God that now it is preaching time. And we thank God for a word in season and out of season. Amen. Amen. And I just want to thank Lord, my, my wonderful mother-in-law who's uh, attended here with us today, Ambry Alexander. Amen. And my beautiful wife. Amen. Adrian Michelle Therese Alexander Boyd. Amen. That little woman with a big name, amen. <laughs> amen. I pray, I thank God for her and Simone in uh, Simone Boyd in her absence, and she is uh, in school. And uh, for those who know her, she is graduating this year. And I know some of you, but she's not finished. She got more to go. She, she's got a little road, a little more to go. She's going for her doctorate, amen. But we praise God she's through the first phase and on to the next, amen. And I know some of you remember when uh, we came here with her. She was a uh, little small, and now she's here, and now she's a grown woman, amen. That just means that we're getting better, amen. <laughs> amen, that we're getting better. But we praise God that it is preaching time. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you. We praise you, God, for your word, which is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our pathway. Father, I ask, Lord, that you use me for your glory, for your honor, Lord. Remove me, Lord. Remove me that you may stand, Lord, and that you may speak to your people, Lord, a word, Lord, that will break the chains, Lord, a word that will heal, a word that will deliver, a word that will lead those who are in darkness out of darkness into your marvelous light, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for those that shall give their life to you, Lord, and those that shall be delivered and set free. This and everything we pray in Jesus' name. Let the people of God say amen, amen, amen. As was read into your hearing, uh, we read this morning the uh, scripture, which is coming from uh, the fifth chapter of John, and I'll just be reading uh, the 15, 15 verses, the first 15 verses, just to give you context, amen, of uh, where uh, the Lord is leading me in this, amen? amen? It is John, the fifth chapter, and when you have it, just say amen. 
If you don't have it, say wait. We will wait for you. Amen. Because we all want to be on one accord. Because things happen when we're on all on one accord. Amen. Amen. Suddenly things happen. Amen. Amen. And it reads. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well as made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man, somebody say a certain man, <laughs> was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? The sixth man, sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool. When the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately, somebody say immediately, immediately. the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it is the Sabbath. Is it not lawful for you to carry your bed? He answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. The blessed word of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. And just for a subject this morning, just for a subject, look at somebody and tell them, I want to be made well. Look at somebody else and say to them, I want to be made well. Amen. Amen. I want to be made well. 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 Is a powerful, that is a powerful, powerful, powerful statement because it is an acknowledgement that something is wrong that needs restoration or correction in order for you to achieve your ultimate goal of being well. Amen? So someone saying that they want to be made well means that they have done a self-assessment. 
All right, they've done a self-assessment and concluded that something is not right, something is out of order, something is abnormal, or something is prohibiting me from functioning to the potential that God intended. I have discovered in my short time here on this earth that many of us are not well in one way or another. Amen? Some of us have physical infirmities or physical things that are, are the reason why we are not well. Some of us have mental issues, amen, that are the reason that we are not well. Mental challenges, mental uh, problems that we face. Some of us even have financial issues, amen, financial problems, financial problems that are causing us not to be well. Because if you have a financial problem, amen, you are not well. Amen. Amen. You are not well. You're not well financially. You're not well physically. You're not well mentally. And you're not well financially. And many of us have a spiritual problem. Amen. Where many of us are spiritually not well. Where some are dead. Amen. Amen. Some are dead. Amen. And some, their spirit needs to be revived. Amen. So some of us, all of us have some type of of infirmity, some type of an ailment. I have an ailment. All of us, each and every one of us, have some type of ailment, some type of infirmity that prevents us from reaching the potential that God has for us in our lives. Amen? Amen. But how many know that we can be made well? Amen? Look at your neighbor and tell him you can be made well. I have also discovered that everyone who needs to be made well deal with their infirmity in different ways. Everybody deals with it in a different manner, amen? The person who, the person, some people have decided that they're going to live with their infirmity. They come to the conclusion, I have this infirmity, it is what it is, and I'm just going to deal with the pain. I'm going to wake up every morning, that's okay, I'm just going to deal with this situation. I have, every day I have this financial issue, but I'm just going to deal with it. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to deal with the pain. I'm just going to deal with the pain of losing the loved one. I'm not going to try to get over it. I'm just going to deal with this situation that's going on in my marriage. I'm just going to deal with it. I'm just going to ignore it and just move on. And then there are some persons who haven't been, diagno been diagnosed, but there is something wrong because they do feel pain. However, they choose to ignore the infirmity until they can't bear it any longer. Amen? And then there are some people who need treatment because everyone around them sees their problem. Everyone around them sees that they're going like this and they just can't control it. But for some reason, they don't see the problem. Amen? Amen? So there is all kind of situations. And some of these people where we all can see that there's a problem and we can tell someone that there's something wrong, but they don't see the problem. These folks happen to be living in denial. Amen? Well, I've also learned that everyone who has an infirmity doesn't want to be made well. Everybody doesn't want to be made well. Everybody doesn't want to be made well. 
and some because they don't have the desire. They don't want to be weighed well. They just rather just deal with the situation, deal with the sickness, deal with the, the, the marital problem. Just, I just don't, I'm just going to ignore, I'm just going to ignore it. I don't really want to deal with the things or do the things that I need to do to make the corrections in my life, address the issues in order to change my situation. They're not willing to sacrifice what is many people call comfort and convenience. They don't want to sacrifice comfort and convenience in order to be made well. John tells us of a certain man who was at a pool by the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem. Now this pool, in which in Hebrew is called Bethesda, having five porches. And Bethesda means the house of mercy, amen? Now in these porches laid multitude of sick people. And these sick people were either blind, they were either lame or they were paralyzed. They had some type of issue. And the Bible tells us that they all came to this place in order to wait for the moving of the water. The story was, and it went like this, that an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. And then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease or ailment that they had. Amen? Now, the Bible says that a certain man, a certain man, anytime we hear in the scripture that when a man or somebody is unidentified, you can put your name here. Amen? You can put your name here. So it says that a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. Amen? Now, as I said, there's all type of ways of dealing with situations. Some people ignore it. Some people just deal with the pain. But all of us were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. So all of us have been born with an infirmity, an infirmity where when we were born, we did not know God. Amen. Now, can you imagine for a moment? Can you imagine for a moment 38 years of dealing with an issue? 38 years of dealing with an infirmity over and over and time and time again, you're going back and forth. You're going back and forth to the doctor every day in hope of a cure for 38 years. You're having doors shut in your face and just people don't want to help you for 38 years. Being told that you can't do it no matter how hard you try for 38 years. Being in financial difficulty, not knowing where ends are, not knowing how your ends are going to be met for 38 years. Having to rely on people to do for you and disappoint you for 38 years. Always in need and never having enough for 38 years. Am I talking to anybody's situation here? Feeling like you've been cursed for 38 years, wondering why your situation hasn't changed for 38 years, wondering when this failing marriage is going to turn around after 38 years, wondering when these grown children are going to get out of my house after 38 years. Well, the Bible says that Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been in that condition 
a long time. How many know that you, we serve a God that sees our situation and he's not just going to leave you in that situation, but he can assess the situation and know exactly what to do. You are to give him praise for that. Amen. And he said to the man, do you want to be made well? Now, he asked the man, do you want to be made well? Now, many of our reactions, if you've been going through a situation, you've been going through things for 38 years, and you've had this infirmity for 38 years, your immediate answer would have been, of course, yes, heal me, Jesus, let's go. Let's get, let's get this going. Yes, that's what I've been coming here for. But the, the man's response was, a, yes, of course. Now, my question is, why would Jesus ask an infirm man of 38 years if he wants to be made well? Why would he ask the man who's been coming, had this infirmity for 38 years, why, if he wants to be made well? Jesus asks a rhetorical question designed to gain this man's attention. Sometimes we need people to get our attention, to point to the situation, point to the exact problem, to not go through all the flowery around the bush and around the block, but to get right to the issue. What is the thing that is not making you well? Mm. What is it that's not making you well? Amen. Well, Jesus asked this rhetorical question designed to gain this man's attention. As I said, everyone doesn't want to be made well. Some come to church out of tradition. They come to church because it's Sunday. Some come to church because it's Saturday. Amen. Amen. Some come to church because mama brought them to church, because daddy brought them to church. Amen. Some were part of the drug ministry. Amen. I was part of the drug ministry. I was drugged to church. I was drugged to choir practice. I was drugged to this. I was drugged all over the place. Amen. But it has to come to a point where you realize that you need to be weighed well and develop a relationship with Jesus for yourself. Well, we come to church sometimes out of, out of tradition. And when we come, sometimes some people come out of tradition. We can, some people can sit on a pew and go to hell right on the pew. Never get saved never give their lives to Christ, never change from their ways. Amen? Amen. But this certain man, he had to express his desire for change. You have to have a desire to want to change. You have to want to change. Because if you don't want to change, you're going to do the same thing over and over and over and over again. You have to come with a desire to change. You have to be willing to 
accept and take on the responsibility that goes with change. That means that some things are going to happen. You're going to be put in some uncomfortable positions. You're going to have to do some strange things that maybe you've never done before. Change requires some, some change and some, some change in your life, different things in your life. Amen? And it says that the sick man answered him. He was asked a direct question, and the sick man answered him and said, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Now, he's asked a direct question, and that was his answer. Now, the first thing that he's telling us here is that he's relying on other people to solve his problems. We can't rely on other people to solve your problems because flesh will fail you every time. When people solve your problems, when people solve your problems, when people solve your problems, they're going to let you know it was me who helped you get to where you are. It was because of me that you got what you got. It's because of me that you did all this. And now they're going to look for the praise and look for that. But how many know that it's not any person, but it's God who can make a way out of no way. See, when people solve your problem, they will expect you to worship you, to worship them and hold them in a high esteem because of what they did for you. That if it wasn't for them, that you would not be where you are. So stop relying on folks and rely on God. Look at somebody and tell them, rely on God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that other people desire and want. Don't worry about those things. He'll add those things unto you. Amen? Because he knows what you need. Amen? Stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. The man was asked a direct question, and the first thing he gave him was an excuse. Sir, look, this is what happens. No, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? We don't want to hear an excuse. What is your answer? So the first thing he does is come up with an excuse. And, and one of the things I love about excuses, when uh, I was uh, a part of, when I'm part of my fraternity, one of the things that uh, we learn about excuses is that excuses are tools of the incompetent. And those who excel in excuses seldom excel in anything else. So if you want to see somebody who's not going to make it, who's not going to get anywhere, if they're always giving you excuses, They're just building mountains of nothingness. Amen? 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 So stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. Stop playing the blame game. We want to point at everybody else. Well, it's that person. That's the reason why. Or it's that's the reason why I'm not here. That's the reason why I'm not where I'm supposed to be. It's the white man who's holding me down. Oh, it's that one. It's the man. You know, it's my boss. It's, it's the president. He's doing a... No, no, no. It starts with you. You have a treasure that's within you that can do mighty things. Take responsibility and accountability for your actions. One man changed the whole world. Jesus Christ. He was in a Roman-occupied area. 
where he changed the whole world. One man turned the whole world upside down. That same spirit that was in him dwells in you. So there's nothing, nothing that is beyond what you can do with God's help. Amen? So stop playing the, the blame game and take responsibility and be accountable for your actions. Jesus said to him, he just got tired. I love the way Jesus does it. He just, you know, giving me excuses. Come on, man. Just rise up and walk. Enough with that. Rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. So now he gave him a command. Now, if you really want to be healed, you're going to follow his direction. Now, how many times God is giving us direction and we're not following it? So he just cut through the mess and said, rise up, take your bed, and walk. And the Bible says, and immediately the man was made well. He took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Oh, here we go. That day was the Sabbath. Now, the Jews were upset because Jesus healed the certain man and told him to take up his bed and walk on the Sabbath. Now, you know, once you become free, once you give your life to Christ, once you start doing things for Jesus, everybody's not going to be happy with your freedom. Everybody's not going to be happy with what you're doing for God. Oh, what you going to that Allen Temple for and doing all that? Why are you going all the time and doing all, Why are you supporting them so much? Man, why are you do? Why, why, why? Why aren't you doing something? How come you haven't given your life to Christ? Well, let me tell you about what God did for me. And you can witness to that person. But everybody's not going to be happy when you free your mind. Amen. The enemy is going to come in and attack, amen, because the enemy will always show up to tear down what the Lord has done in your life. He wants to criticize. He's going to try to disapprove. He's going to try to invalidate what happened. The enemy comes only but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. How many know that the enemy just comes because he wants to take your life? He wants to take your goodness. He wants to take the things that God has placed in your life. Amen? Oh, give the Lord some praise. Amen? But one of the things that I look at in this story that amazes me in this story, especially when we look at the response of the Jews, amen, the response of the Jews in this story, is how many people, and not just the Jews, but many people in general, many people in general, we will focus on the lesser things and miss the big picture. We'll focus on the lesser things and miss the real issue. Can we go a little deeper? All right, let's go a little deeper. All right, because we've heard this story a lot, a lot of times, but we're gonna we're gonna go deep, amen. We're gonna go deep. So get your get get your your diving gear, because we're going deep on this, amen, amen, amen. And for those who can't go all the way deep, we'll, we'll come back and get you, amen. We'll come back and get you. The Jews said to him who was cured, this certain man, it is the Sabbath. Is it not lawful for you to carry your bed? 
the Sabbath, the Sabbath, the Sabbath, the Sabbath. Now, I, what I recall, Genesis, Jesus created, I, the Lord created, amen, he created the earth, amen, created the earth, the days, everything that was in it, amen, and on the seventh day he rested, amen, amen, and called it the Sabbath day, amen, the Sabbath, so he created that, he created the Sabbath, amen, can we all agree with that? That God created the Sabbath. Okay. God created the Sabbath. <clears throat> and the word in Genesis says, and he rested and said, it is good. Amen? So God created the Sabbath. And he created it for man. To rest and to worship the Lord. However, the Jews added so many human traditions and obscured the divine intent of God's original purpose and command. In Mark 2, 27, Jews, Jesus taught the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. In other words, God created the Sabbath to meet man's need for rest and worship. Amen. Because he knows that man will just, you know, just lose his mind. Amen. And just never work. Never, just keep working. Just keep doing things. And you can't do things without God in your life. There has to be a set time. There should be a Sabbath in your week. There should be a Sabbath in your day. There should be a Sabbath at all time where you rest and you worship God. Amen. So the Sabbath wasn't created. Amen. Just it was created for man. So we can take that Sabbath, that rest, and we can do that anytime. Amen? Amen. It's that time that we, we rest and we worship God. The Jews were trying to find an excuse to stone this certain man. Let's, let's, let's cut to the chase. They were trying to find an excuse to stone him. However, the certain man told the Jews that the one who healed him told him to take up his bed and walk. Now the Jews wanted to know who told him to do this so they could stone the one who healed and gave the command on the Sabbath. If the Jews were so concerned, if they were so concerned about keeping the law, why didn't they ask the question of the certain man, where were you coming from? That's the deeper question. Where were you coming from? Can we go a little deeper? Okay. It's so important that we study the word to show ourselves approved, the workman not ashamed. Amen. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. So we're going to go a little bit deeper. Let's look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool which is called in Hebrew or Aramaic Bethesda, all right? So why is John, why is John telling us, all right, why is John telling us this about Bethesda that in Aramaic it's called Bethesda or Hebrew? So if I'm a Hebrew and I'm reading this, you don't need to tell me that it is 
Bethesda because I know that. I'm a Hebrew. So he must be talking to some other people. Amen? Amen? Can we agree with that? Amen? So he must be talking to both Jews and Gentiles. So if it is known as Bethesda to the Jews, well, what is it known as to the Gentiles? Where were you coming from, brother? Not, not who healed you with a stone him, but where were you coming from? Where can we find, and let's look a little closer at this story. Let's look at because we've heard this story, and a lot of times people preach this story. But let's look a little closer at this story. Can anyone tell me where in Scripture have you ever heard that the first one in gets healed? All right. Ready? Go. <laughs> where have we heard that in Scripture? That the first one in gets healed. Jesus taught in his parable of the vineyard workers that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Where in the word does it teach we are healed of our own strength? Because mm. if I'm there first, I got there on my own strength. All right. So. Whoever stepped in first was the strongest at the pool. The word says God is our refuge and our strength, our very present help in the time of trouble. Isaiah said, but they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like an eagle. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Can we go a little deeper? All right, let's suck some oxygen in. Let's suck it in, all right? The Romans, the Romans were in control of the region of Judea around the first century BC. Temples around Jerusalem were erected by the Romans to the gods that they served in Rome. One temple in particular one was called, was an Escaplian or Escaplian temple, which was a healing temple. And the pools in these temples were dedicated to the goddess Fortuna, the goddess of fortune. The goddess of fortune. So anytime we say, oh, lucky thing that didn't happen to me, you got to watch what you're saying. You got to watch what you say. Oh, that was good luck for you. You're serving that goddess of Fortuna. Can we go a little deeper? All right. The goddess Fortuna. Also, and Escaplius, the god of healing. Escaplia or Escaplios was a hero and god of medicine in ancient Greek religion and mythology. Statues of Asclepius are depict him walking with a snake entwined around a staff, which remains a symbol of medicine today. Amen. We have to be vigilant over the things that attempt, attempt to creep their way into the church, into our minds, into our homes, into our children, into our nation that seem to be right however, only lead to destruction. It is time that we make sure that the things that we do and the things that we say and the things that we think line up with the word of God. Amen? 
Now, the Bible says that this certain man had been going to this pagan place for 38 years. 38 years looking for healing in all the wrong places. For 38 years, he didn't put God first. Well, I tried God. He didn't work out, so let me try something else. How many give, how many people, I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but some people we say, you know what, let me try this way. Let me try that way. I, I, I recall Abraham and Sarah. God spoke to Abraham and said, you're going to have a son. And it didn't happen. Sarah said, mm, I have another idea. Hagar. Okay, so the best of us, all right, amen, the best of us have doubted God. Amen, the best of us. But this certain man represents Israel's lack of faith and trust in God. He represents some of our lack of faith and trust in God. When we look at Deuteronomy 2 and 14, it says this, And the space in which we came from Kadesh Barnea until we were come over the brook Zered was thirty and eight years, until all the generation of the men of war were wasted out from among the hosts, as Yahweh swore unto them. This was when the twelve spies had went out and brought back a report. Amen? The twelve spies, they went out, they went out into the land, and they saw that the land was good. Amen? They saw that the land was good. However, they were giants in the land. So when they brought back the report, they brought back a report. Joshua and Caleb said, let's go and take the land. We can do it. We can do it. We can do it. We can do this. Look where God has brought us. He's brought us this far. We can do all with God on our side. Nothing can, can stand before us. Let's do it. But then the 10 drowned it out the two. Oh, no, we can't do that. No, no, no. We're like grasshoppers. We're like grasshoppers in our own eyes. The way that they looked at themselves that they could not make it. Amen? So it is so important that when we have leadership, that we have the right leadership that do not listen to a bad report. We don't need leadership that says that, gun, that our teachers should have guns. We don't need leadership that wants to give up. We don't need leadership that wants to find the easy way. We need leadership that wants to focus and look at the problem and deal with the situation instead of coming up with excuses. Philippians 4 and 8 says this, whatever things are true, Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, think on these things. Whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is of good virtue, these are the things that we should be thinking on. Amen? These are the things that we should be thinking on. These are the things that God speaks. These are the things that we, where, where do we get these things? We get this from his word. And his word is what? A lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our pathway. His word will bring you out of darkness into his marvelous white. Like his word, his word is the good news of salvation. It is the good news of the gospel unto salvation. His word is living and it is active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. His word shall not return unto him empty. It shall not return to him void, but it shall shall accomplish that which it would purpose and that which it succeeds to do. Jesus didn't need to bubble up any water. His word was enough. 
his word was enough. Rise up, take up your bed, and walk. Well, somebody may be thinking right now, well, if the certain man was in that place, well, what was Jesus doing there? Hmm. What was Jesus doing there? Well, if the certain man was in this wrong place, then why was Jesus there? Jesus, I just don't understand him. He has a habit of going to places where he just don't belong. (laughs) He has a habit of showing up at the well and talking to a Samaritan woman, somebody he shouldn't be talking to where he doesn't belong. Amen? Jesus just has a habit of going to places that he doesn't belong and hanging with people that he shouldn't be, supposedly shouldn't be hanging with. When we look at chapter 15 in Luke, Jesus is eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners. And the Pharisees and scribes complained about him being in places that he didn't belong. However, Jesus spoke a parable to them and he told them about the 100 sheep and the 99 that are in this place. But this one that's lost, that I'm going to go after the one that's lost. He's going to go into places that he doesn't belong. Jesus came down from glory and came to a place that he didn't belong. Oh, somebody ought to give him praise for that. He came from glory. He came from glory to become something unrighteous so that something right unrighteous can become righteous. God made him to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus likes to hang out in places that he does not belong. Hallelujah. Somebody give the Lord some praise. He hangs out in places that he doesn't belong. They marched him from judgment hall to judgment hall. They slapped him in the face, ridiculed him, took him to Calvary's cross, a place that he did not belong, a place that all of us belong, but he went there for us. Jesus has a habit of going in places that he does not belong. But why does he go in those places? He goes in those places because he knows that we're there. We're in those places where we don't belong. But he's going to come. He's going to find you. He's going to bring you out. He's going to bring you out of darkness. He's going to bring you out of sickness. He's going to bring you out of alcoholism. He's going to bring you out of all those situations that you do not belong in. Give the Lord some praise. Well, I'm so glad, I'm so glad that even when I wasn't looking for him. See, there's times when we're not looking for him, that he'll go looking for you. You'll be in places that you don't belong, but he'll come and look for you. He'll find you there and speak a word into your life. But God, the Bible says that, but God demonstrates his own love for us. That in this, while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. You see, Jesus will go into some places that he doesn't belong. But he'll go in those places just to find us, just to find his sheep. The Bible declares that Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. Amen. So he's going to call to his sheep. He's going to call to his elect. And they are going to come when he says come. Is he calling you today? 
Is he calling you today to come out of darkness? Is he speaking to you right now? Is he calling you right now? Are you, do you want to be made well, or are you going to come up with an excuse? Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? So what was going on at this pool? What was going on? This was a demonstration. This was a demonstration of who God, Jesus, really is. That he is the God of eternity. He is the one who rules and reigns. You see, there was a battle that was going on here. There was these other little gods that were there. But the God of glory came in and said, we don't have to wait for bubbling. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. All you have to do is obey my word. If I speak, respond. If I call you, come. If I say you're healed, get up and walk. If I say it's over, walk in victory. If he says it's done, it's done. I declare right now in the name of Jesus, whatever you're going through, whatever your situation, if you hear from God and he tells you to do something, to respond, respond immediately. Don't think about it. Don't wonder what you should do next. You have to respond immediately. Immediately. Don't come up with excuses. Don't blame other people. Just do what God says do. Right now, I dare you right now to stand on your feet and give the Lord some praise right now. If you give him praise right now, he'll open up 